welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Abby Scott, a registered dietitian who has a passion for her family, yoga, and working with eating disorders. Abby is one of the most passionate dietitians I have ever met. We met while working for the same company a few years ago, and I was so impressed with her desire to be a lifelong learner. She has had a few different jobs as a dietitian and embraced all of them as stepping stones to where she is now. She is currently working for the EMILY program in Minnesota, which specializes in the treatment of eating disorders. This is a field of dietetics she has a personal connection to and she is extremely passionate about. Abby shares some great insight into this ever-evolving field and how she balances her personal life with her career. Please enjoy my conversation with Abby. Well, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for taking time. I know you have a very busy schedule, but also to reconnect with you, Abby and I have yes. together for a short period, but I'm excited to learn more about, I don't think we ever talked about kind of your journey as a dietitian. So that's, yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think we ever connected that way. So why don't you kind of start out and tell me how you got interested in dietetics and what was kind of the start of your passion for dietetics? Yeah. So I actually was the kid who I would change my mind all the time of what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, For the longest time, I wanted to be a pediatrician or a writer or, I mean, I went through like the pharmacist like ordeal wanting to do that. And it wasn't really until high school that I even learned what dietetics was. Um, And it was just me kind of searching through um, searching through course catalogs, as dorky as that kind of sounds, um, and seeing and seeing dietetics as as a program, and it, things just clicked when I saw it. So, long story short, I actually had struggled with an eating disorder when I was in middle school, and I only saw a dietitian once, maybe, um, for that. And of course, my my just experience with a dietitian at that moment in my life was, nope, don't want to talk to them. Don't, don't want anything to do with that. So then like years later, when I actually learned, Oh, like in my recovered space that as a dietitian, I could work with an eating disorder population and specialize in that and actually know how to communicate with that population that really just set the bar there. And I stayed a dietetics major all through college. I did not know that you had a I think I knew that you had an eating disorder, but I didn't know it was so early into your yeah, life. Yeah, I was, I was really young. <laughs> I was really young. And I even think about that now. We, um, at my current job, we have different um, locations for adolescents, which in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're just itty bitty. But then I think I was one of those itty bitty, mm-hmm. <laughs> itty bitty clients at one point. And I mean, as you know, in Iowa, there isn't really any eating disorder treatment program. And so when I quote unquote got treatment, it was at like a behavioral health center um, in Des Moines that I don't think is no longer there. Um, But I was the youngest client. I was the only one with an eating disorder and everyone else had like behavioral health issues, like behavioral health issues. So ADHD, there were some, I mean, shoplifters, like just a lot of, it was, it was more like a psych ward kind of. And every day I went there, it was like a day program for two weeks. Uh, I would go there and I'd have to get patted down and it would just be like a treatment from eight to four. Um, and I really just got scared into recovery. I say, because I was like, Nope, I do not want to go back there again. Really? Yeah. It was not eating disorder focused though. I mean, they gave me meals and snacks, but that's about it. Oh my gosh. So you can definitely speak to like your own personal experiences when you were a child to as an adult and being in a much different treatment area, how much of a disconnect there was. Oh, so much, so much. Like even growing up, I didn't even realize, like, I just was under the impression that I have, I had an issue with food in my body. I didn't even realize I had a mental health diagnosis. It just didn't click. Like, I, I had an eating disorder, like not otherwise specified at that time. So Ednaz, um was what it was called. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that that was a mental health disorder. I just thought 
I had issue with food and my body. And then you're getting patted down to go to a day program. Yes. <laughs> Oh, oh, I feel like I've, and it was, it was all of middle school. So sixth through eighth grade was when I really struggled. Um, and then finally got better by the time I got to high school. Um, so it's, it's such, it was such a long time ago. And so I feel like part of my brain has almost blanked out or kind of forgotten some of the nitty gritty details. And I think again, now that I've learned more about like trauma and how that, um, how, how your body responds to that, I feel like, uh, my body's just kind of safeguarding it from remembering those times. <laughs> so interesting. That's really interesting that, I mean, mm-hmm. again, the mental health ability to treat is not that great in yeah. many states. So it's exciting to know that where you're at currently, which we'll talk about in a little while, is is doing that good work that needs to be mm-hmm. happening. Yes, yes. So... I think, I think it's funny though, that you said that you got scared into recovery. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was, I was the rule follower. So, I mean, they told me what to do. So I was like, okay, I'm done. I don't want to go back. So I'm going to make this happen. (laughs) Yes. So that's interesting that you had such a brief encounter too with a dietitian, but once you started to learn more about the actual profession, I'm surprised it didn't like completely just write it completely off for you. I know. I, I don't even know if I understood at that young of an age that that's who I was seeing, like that they were a dietitian. I just knew they handed me a piece of paper and told me to eat three meals and three snacks. And I just like rolled my eyes. I don't even think it clicked. And then when I was at, obviously in a much more like better place mentally, and I saw like what a dietitian actually can do, like learning the science and um, principles behind nutrition and um, like, yeah, motivational interviewing, nutrition counseling. I think it was really like the nutrition counseling aspect that I was so interested in. Um, because I mean, yeah, I don't feel like I got nutrition counseling. I think I just, it was kind of a staple. Here you go. You should eat this and this should be good. Um, but yeah, like I don't even, yeah, I don't even know who it was, um, (laughs) who I saw, like, yeah, it, again, (laughs) it was a very interesting time. Yeah. That is a very interesting so you kind of went through high school and then um, you knew that dietetics was kind of what you wanted to study. So where yeah. did you go to college at for dietetics? Oh, oh went to good old Iowa State University. <laughs> um, I, and that's what's funny is just luck. Like the, I think my life, it, it just, as I'll talk through, everything just lined up perfectly many different times in my life because I always knew I wanted to go to Iowa State. Like there was no if sands are butts, like I knew that's where I wanted to go. And lo and behold, that was the only school in Iowa that has a dietetics program. So lined up pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I was a lifelong cyclone. We grew up in central Iowa. So that was where I wanted to go and wanted that big or that big university college life. So went to Iowa state. Um, yeah. I had dietetics as my major from day one. Um, probably the first year was my hardest, just general. I mean, I've, I've listened to many of your podcasts and I've heard many people say the same general bio, general <laughs> chemistry almost kicked me out the door. Yeah. And especially, I mean, especially a big university when your classes are 300, 400 people oh, large and it's just, Oh, it, it's just, cru- it's crucial. I mean, it's hard, but, um, I just stuck through it and knew, you know, there will be curves in the grade, and luckily sure. they would curve the grade. Um, and my aunt, very funny, my aunt's actually a chemist, and she lives in Ames. So I would call her just, like, with questions, and she just kept telling me, you know, keep at it. Iowa State, like, in big universities, like, they're known for, like, weaning people out in the first few years just just because they want to get people who are really true in, in that that's what they want to do, pre-med or pre-any health, like, Mm-hmm. health uh, major so she told me to stick it out and I did thankfully <laughs> it worked out in your favor <laughs> it worked out it worked out. I, but I do remember calling my mom after first after the first semester and being like oh my gosh do I really want to do this maybe I want to switch to journalism because I love writing so like, yeah. maybe that's what I want to do but um luckily I am able to include some writing in my career now too again as we'll get to that's awesome did you also do your internship with Iowa State? I did. So, um, again, how all the things aligned, it was I applied to five different 
uh, internships and Iowa State, I had as kind of my buffer and that's where I got placed. And initially I was, I was kind of bummed about it, but then, uh, but then things again, like I said, just lined up perfectly. I actually um, got placed. So it's, um, you know, the Iowa State internship, but you get placed all over Iowa. Um, mm-hmm. And I got placed in Council Bluffs, which was one of the choices I had said I was willing to go. Um, and I actually was born at the hospital that I did my clinical at. Oh, you were? <laughs> yeah. So it was Jenny Edmondson Hospital in Council Bluffs. So that's, I was born there. Yep. And the the doctor who gave birth to me is was net is now or I don't know if he still is but um yeah this was in 2012 so he was like one of the medical directors um the dietitians who I interned with who are my preceptors they had been there 25 30 years so they had been there I guess oh my when I was born so it was really really cool full circle Oh my God. Do you have, do you have family that lives in that area then? I do. So yeah, my dad's family is actually from, um, Glenwood. Uh, and so small world, I, I think you might be, I introduced myself. I think you're friends with someone who works at Glenwood Resource Center. Yes. Brenda. My mom used to work there. My mom used to work there. So yeah, that's so interesting. But I, like you said, just kind of, I think a lot of times we don't realize that good things are happening and they should be happening at the time. But then you look back and you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, that was all meant to yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah, I look at my internship and or I look back because, yeah, I graduated in 2012 and did my internship June to December. And it was it was just a, a great time in my life, like for self um just for like self-discovery. I was, I was engaged by um, college graduation. And so this was my first time actually living on my own um, in a new, I mean, in a new city, I knew the area, but I mean, new for me on my own um, and getting to explore. Yeah. Just a new, I guess, partially a new state, (laughs) um, Iowa and Nebraska, but um, getting to just go to different places in the internship was so cool. I, I have, the best, like the best, um, experiences from that internship, just because I got such a wide variety of different things. Oh, I, I mean, I was so lucky because I mean the hospital, so Jenny Ed is a pretty, I mean, small hospital, but I think over, I don't, I guess I don't want to say how many beds cause I don't remember, but, um, I mean, they had a pretty diverse, like cardiac rehab. They had an oncology floor ortho, but like for my diet or for my oncology rotation, like I saw a few clients there, but then they sent me to the cancer center in Omaha. Um, for my PD, for my PEDS rotation, I went to the Children's Hospital in Omaha. I got to do an eating disorder rotation there, which I had requested. Um, yeah, so I was sent all over. Um, I had like three weeks at Hy-Vee. I got to do WIC there. So, I, I mean, every week I was somewhere different, and I think that just fit my personality better um, mm-hmm. than maybe staying at one place all the time. And I think it helps the internship go by a little faster when you have that much variety. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was so, it was so fun. And, um, I mean, I didn't work during my internship because um, my mom was very like adamant that, you know, this is your time in school, you're learning, you're getting ready for your career. So yeah, I did the internship during the week and then I had weekends off to again, just explore and, and kind of have fun. So, um, that was helpful. And my now husband, he moved up, um, like a month or two into my internship, but then he got a job in Des Moines a few months before I ended. So it was kind of like haphazard. He moved up in the middle of it and then moved back. So I was alone the first, <laughs> the beginning and the end. So it, it was still, it was, it was still such a good, like I said, self discovery time. So um, I'm very grateful for it. And then, yeah, right after the internship, I moved, we moved back to Des Moines, even though I didn't have a job offer. <laughs> um, I just knew that's where I wanted to be. Cause that was close to family. Um, and yeah, I figured I'd, I'd, uh, Figure it out. Did you stress out about not having a job? Yes, very much so. Because <laughs> um, I actually was trying to be proactive and apply in my internship at the end and just applying everywhere. Um, and I mean, it's really competitive, uh, it is. especially in central Iowa when Iowa State's the only one um, mm-hmm. or the only school. I mean, it's so diluted. So, um, or not diluted, I guess. But I. Yeah, I just, I applied to many places. And when I didn't have an offer right away, I was like, you know what? I'll take a break. I'll take a month off, study for the boards, which I did. And in that time, I was still trying to apply, but I'm like, ooh, 
like I need to pay rent. I need to, I need to live. Um, so I, I had actually in high school had had experience as a pharmacy technician. So a friend of mine had worked, was working at Hy-Vee at a Hy-Vee pharmacy in Des Moines and was like, Hey, you should apply. Like in the meantime, like it'll like still be in the healthcare field. And I was like, yeah, sure. That's a great idea. So I did. And, um, I was actually a pharmacy tech at the Southridge location for, Oh, a good, like six months, um, six months before, um, I had started as a full-time dietitian with Hy-Vee, but, um, in the meantime, I also had other another job as well as a dietitian. But yeah, so I was a pharmacy tech for a while with an RD RD behind my name. So it was fun. You know, I you know what I think though that's a great thing to bring up because, like you said, it's so competitive in certain areas of the country where there's a lot of dietitians coming out of an internship, or and it's hard. Like I think we get. I think you probably felt this. Like, I feel like I'm a loser because I didn't get a job right away. And right. And oh my gosh, I was, I was starting to feel so down on myself because I would apply most, like anytime there's an opening, I would apply daily and I'd maybe get an interview or I'd get the email like, no, it's already been filled. Um, but I just mm-hmm. felt like I was practicing interview questions. Like I knew them off the back of my hand. Like I knew what I was going to say. I felt pretty confident going in and there were interviews. I was like, that went amazing. And I even got uh, feedback back from interviews. That's like, you were great, but there was someone else that we thought was like, you know, just better. Well, say just yeah. a little bit greater. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> right. They were better. Um, they would say that like, it was between you and someone else. And I'm like, Oh, it just stinks so much so to, to get that close. Um, mm-hmm. But, but again, it all worked out. Um, yeah. I was a pharmacy tech, um, for a few months. And then, so I passed my board in January. Oh my gosh. Well, where, what month would that have been? January, 2013. Um, so I passed my board January, 2013 had been a pharmacy tech for a few months. And then I finally got an offer, um, with a long-term care, skilled care, um, facility in Des Moines. Um, and so I, I accepted that and was there for a few months. Um, but I also still kept my pharmacy technician job part-time. So I was working full-time as an RD and then did pharmacy tech on the side, which, I mean, I loved it, kept me busy. Um, I didn't didn't have a kid at that time, so I had free time. time. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so for a while I worked, at, which I thought was actually a really neat, a really neat um, experience, too, because I had had experience as a diet tech in college um, mm-hmm. at a long-term care facility. So I was like, oh, perfect. But, I mean, it was a completely different facility. Um I, I felt like it was really good clinical experience and I, I was the sole dietitian for, I think it was about a hundred beds and it, half of it was long-term care, half of it was skilled care. So people just coming in like who needed rehab for a few weeks and then discharging. So it was, it was a really busy job actually. Um, yeah. But it just wasn't where my heart was, was at. Like I loved my residents. They were amazing and hilarious, but um, I was like, you know, I, I don't know if long-term care is where my heart really is. And, um, I know there's a lot of people who love that. So, mm-hmm. um, I think it, yeah, it's good to just, I think, experience different things and see what you really, really, truly like. So after, so then during that time, then Hy-Vee had an opening and you ended up going full-time <laughs> with Hy-Vee? I did. Yes. So, uh, yeah, uh, Aaron Good, who was at Park Ave and then got the um, the Waukee store. I I was friends with her from college, and she told me, "Hey, I'm I'm actually going to be at the Waukee store. You should apply at my old location." So I was like, "Yeah, sure." And I went to apply, and the again things line up how they should. The application deadline had already passed, and so I oh. emailed the director, and I emailed the director and said, "Hey." I, I know the deadline's already over, but here's my resume just in case. Um, and I got a phone call, I think within a few days, um, and then an interview. And the rest was history. <laughs> and the rest was, I actually got it after all that hard work, I actually got the job on the spot with that interview. So that was oh, really great. That was really, um, that was really great to just, again, after all the hard work that I'd put in, like, okay, sure. I, I do deserve this or I can be because I mean, you start doubting yourself, right? That you're not Mm -hmm. good enough or um, like that self, um, 
just self, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of comparison, like just comparing yourself to others and, um, you know, just feeling really vulnerable. <laughs> Did you always, so going from long-term care was retail something that was on your kind of radar? Was it something that interests you? <sighs> Not, I mean, not in particularly, like I did, I did intern at Hy-Vee in Omaha and I thought it was really cool because again, like most people in the world, I didn't know what a Hy-Vee dietitian or retail dietitian did. Um, and at all the locations I saw in Omaha, I saw that it could be very varied. Like one day you can be giving a presentation and the next you are, um, doing biometric screenings or individual counseling or going to schools. Um, so I, I liked the idea that it was more preventative, like you were able to talk with um, with clients and clients with customers in the store and really be there right when they have questions about food or nutrition. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that being a retail dietitian was on my radar at first, but I, I came to love it and came to really like just that we were in the community, right, in the community and able to be to be in contact right where right where customers were at. And that's where and that's where we met. And yes. that's when I learned <laughs> about you with your just your passion for eating disorders. And yeah. uh, that was always something that I know that I referred to you if we ever had consults <laughs> for that. Cause I was like, I know Abby has a lot more experience with this, which is what dietitians should do. I know and oh oh sorry, go on. No, I was just gonna say and that's and that's where I knew that that was something I figured at some point, that's where you would be moving into, into yeah. your current profession. So yeah. maybe talk a little bit more about how that kind of happened for you and, and what you're doing currently. For sure. Um, yeah. So, well, and I'll, I'll kind of backpedal a little bit. So I was always interested in eating disorders. And even though, again, by the time I was at Hy-Vee, I I mean, I was interested in eating disorders, but I definitely, how I start, I learned was just going to conferences or going to continuing education um, and getting as much knowledge on it because that was something I was very, very passionate about. And um, I think that's a really good tidbit for future dietitians too, is like, you aren't going to be, you aren't going to be the expert at something right away. Like you really have to kind of put the effort in and, and learn all about it because I think back to that time and I'm like now working in eating disorders, looking back at that time, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just like put myself out there. I was like, I really want to learn about everything there is to about eating disorders. And, and I connected with who worked with eating disorders in the community. Um, the, yeah, the nonprofit eating disorders coalition of Iowa um, was really helpful and provided me a lot of mentors. And I got connected with a lot of, amazing people in that regard and even helped plan like different conferences that they did um, or different continuing education like um, days for professionals and that's honestly where a lot of my knowledge came from and I started getting referrals for individual clients um, through that um, through through therapists and through doctors that I met through that um, that organization and that's how I started getting uh I started getting eating disorder clients even when I was working in retail. Um, but going forward, so yeah, I had a, I had a few experiences with eating disorders um, there. But by the end of my retail um, journey, I, I again just realized that this is not where my heart's set. Um, and again, a lot of people love that setting. And like long-term care, I, I just did a lot of internal reflecting and was like, you know, now it's now or never. Like this is my dream. I would love love to work with eating disorders, but Iowa just isn't where I'm going to find that right now, um, unfortunately. So, I mean, the Emily program is is a clinic and an organization that I've always had on my eye. Again, it was they offer internships through the University of Minnesota, and I always wanted. I always had the Emily program on my eye, I guess. And so I had looked up to see if they had any openings every so often, but I never applied because I'm like, I don't have the guts to move, <laughs> to move out of state. <laughs> I'm an Iowa girl. Um, but at that point I was like, you know, it's now or never. I'll, I'll just do it. Like I can always apply, but you know, I'll, I'll probably won't get a, I probably won't get an interview. Um, but I applied and got an email that they wanted to interview me for one of the locations up here. And I told my husband and I was just, oh my gosh, like, this is crazy. What am I going to do? Um, and he's like, well, just, just go interview. Like, it's your dream. Like, do it. He's like, you can always say no if it doesn't work out. So 
I was like, all right. So I took a day off, drove four hours <laughs> from Des Moines um, <laughs> to Minnesota to the Twin Cities and interviewed with um, with a site director and a nutrition manager up here. And it was the most, well, one of the most laid back interviews I'd ever had. And I was just authentic and real and shared why, um, why I wanted to be in this position. And prior to that, I was always so self-conscious thinking like, oh, if, if people knew that I had an eating disorder, they're not going to trust me as a dietitian. They're going to think I'm going to prescribe clients unethically. Like I just was always so concerned that if people found out that I had struggled with that, that they would judge me. So this was the first time I'd actually opened up and said, yep, I, I actually have had an eating disorder and this is, this is why I want to work here. And um, they really liked my background in yoga as well. Um, they liked my background in yoga as well, and I can get to that too, but um, they incorporate yoga in the Emily program uh, in with our clients. So um, the interview went great, I guess. I'm kind of going long-winded here, but the interview went great. And then I think it was, I think around Valentine's Day that year. So it was 20, yeah, 2017. On um, Valentine's Day around there, I got a call and got the offer. And I remember getting the phone call and just crying because again, like my whole career, I felt I had interviewed and would be like, oh, you're good enough, but just not quite. So then getting like the affirmation that this is your dream and we're offering you a position. It was, oh my gosh, it was amazing. I, but then the reality set in, I'm like, oh, can I move my family? Cause at that time I also had a child. Mm -hmm. So, but I chatted with my husband and he, he was like, you know, we'll make it work. And at that time, he also worked for Hy-Vee and the Twin Cities were just opening up new stores. So, again, lucky enough, he was able to transfer um, to transfer. And so I accepted the job and we packed our bags and moved our family to an entirely new state. But I think that's so I think it's a testament, though, to like you said, everything aligning and your patience and but also figuring out what you wanted to do. Cause I don't think you would have figured it out if you didn't have those other steps. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And, and even when I was in my internship, I remember the dietitian who worked at children's or clinic, she even said, you know, it's good to be well-rounded before you specialize. Um, and I, I really am thankful for all the, um, all the different experiences I have had because coming in as as kind of an experienced RD, I mean, I didn't realize this, but the Emily program and actually a lot of eating disorder treatment centers do hire dietitian like grads, like new grads um, and newly like, so I, I didn't realize that. I was like, oh, they, they definitely are going to need, they definitely want people to have experience. And yeah. I mean, of course, experience is great, but they do like, there are a lot of new, new dietitians who finish their internship through the Emily program and then, and then start as a dietitian if a job opens up. So huh. It's, it's been interesting to kind of have that dynamic. Like my coworker and I, we were, we're yin and yang. Like she, she is, um, she did the Emily program internship and is a pretty new dietitian. Whereas I come with a little bit more experience, but have not, had not worked at the, at the Emily program prior. So we, we actually uh, collaborate really well and learn off each other. Like it's so great to be able to learn off a new, a new dietitian and then knowing that she can learn from me as well. Um, that's the way I so is the Emily program just in the Minnesota in Minnesota or is it a national program? Yeah, so the Emily program, so what I the history I believe that it started, I believe, in um Pennsylvania, I believe. I, I think that was one of the first, but now like the home the home base is here in Minnesota in the Twin Cities. Um but there actually are locations in Cleveland, Ohio, um, in Spokane and Seattle, Washington. And I don't know if there are any more in Pennsylvania, but I know the three states for sure, Washington, Minnesota, and Ohio. Okay. So kind of all over. Um, but yeah, uh, Minnesota is kind of the home base and there's multiple locations here, um, whether that be outpatient, um, day programs. Um, and there's also up in Duluth are also is also um, a day program and outpatient location. Okay. Um, so we're kind of spread out. Yeah. Do you, so what is kind of take me through like what your role is, what, what your day kind of looks like, what kind of patient yeah, so, you're seeing? Yeah. So when I started at the Emily program, I actually started as an outpatient dietitian and I worked in that setting for a year. So really just a clinic um, kind of setting. So seeing clients once a week, every other week, um, 
and doing a lot of motivational interviewing, a lot of one-on-one um, nutrition education, counseling, food exposure. Um, I would have clients of all ages and all diagnoses. So anorexia, bulimia, um, binge eating disorder, and then some newer ones that I had not heard of until prior to working here. So ARFID, um, which is avoidant restrictive feeding intake disorder. Um, which is kind of extreme picky eating. So clients who maybe only eat five foods total, um, that is considered an eating disorder. Um, But also what I've learned too is that society really likes to pinpoint like anorexia or bulimia, not both. And or binge eating disorder cannot be anorexic as well, which again, there are different classifications in the diagnostic um, systems manual, the DSM. But what I've learned is that someone with binge eating disorder most likely is restricting their intake during the day. Um, so there is a lot of it's a lot of gray area with symptom use, um, which is what we call it, whether it be restricting, binging, purging, whether purging is vomiting or with laxatives or diuretics or exercise. Um, so that there's a lot of gray area. So someone may have anorexia, but may also engage in compulsive eating, but not enough to be classified as binge eating, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, wow. So it's so interesting. It's so interesting. Um, but yeah, I worked as an outpatient dietitian and helped out in like our day program um, for a while. So supporting meals and snacks with clients. Um, so a lot of times clients would either bring their own meals or I, or we would have catered meals for clients who needed that level of care and we would have a meal together. And, you know, really it's coaching, coaching clients through, you know, like you do need to eat this, like this food is important. And, and I mean, as a dietitian, of course, we are all educated in um, why nutrition is important. But sometimes the goals that here in the eating disorder realm that we are challenging clients on may seem really foreign to just a, a dietitian who is like just graduating. Um, so for one example, I had a client who uh, was a was diagnosed with binge eating disorder and for a bring your own meal they brought a um, like a fast food meal because that was a typical binge food and they were going to challenge it um, but they also brought a bag of like lettuce and so we had me and the other dietitian who was, was there kind of just were curious about it we asked so like what what is this lettuce for and they're like oh this is going to be my vegetable and we're like well yeah you're right vegetable a vegetable is on your meal plan but you know, typically when we go to fast food, like we don't have just baggies of lettuce with us. So yes, even though in our dietitian mind, like we usually think that vegetables are great. Sometimes in our, in the eating disorder realm, I have to educate clients and say, you know, I know you're going to get vegetables, <laughs> fruits and vegetables outside of here, but I really want to challenge you on some fear foods and show you that no food is a bad food. Like all foods can fit. Um, so with that particular client, we actually challenged her to leave the lettuce and not eat it. Um, and just have the, the fast food meal, which brought up a lot of very, very strong emotions, um, really? as you can probably imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. It, yeah. So challenging. And again, like I've learned a lot um, in my time here as well that uh, I've learned a lot of in my time here that, you know, as dietitians in healthcare, we are very weight, um, weight focused and like how weight that weight is an equivalent of health or like, you know, the obesity epidemic. And, and again, like as an eating disorder dietitian, there can be symptom use like binging that maybe does increase someone's weight. Um, But really the philosophy that I've started to use and approach is the health at every size model Um, and intuitive eating for clients that it makes sense for. Um, But the health at every size model and the fact that, you know, if someone is classified as, obese or overweight, um, but they're only eating 500 calories a day, I'm not going to prescribe them to continue doing that for weight loss. Um, I'm going to actually prescribe that they eat a more normalized meal plan and see where their body falls and see where it, where it wants to sit. Um, and actually how that is more beneficial for their overall health versus like prescribing diets or weight loss, which actually I've learned is sometimes can be prescribing, um, disordered eating. Um, so it's, it's been a real, been a real learning curve um, being here and it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I started an outpatient and now I actually, for the past year, I've actually worked in our residential program. So I clients live here 24 seven. Um, and I am in the adult, um, 
residential site. So we have 16 residents total um, and two dietitians. So I see half the house, um, the other dietitian sees the other half. And so technically I only have eight clients on my caseload, but those eight clients fill up at least 40 hours of my week. Wow. <laughs> they, they are um, obviously like sometimes the sickest of the sick. Um, so of course, a lot of times we'll have people come here who need weight restoration, right? So um, are very clinically underweight. Um, we can see clients as low as a BMI of 13.2 or above. Um, so we we have we definitely see some if if a client does not meet those requirements they actually would need inpatient so that would be a step above us, um, which I mean there's a lot of inpatient um, facilities around the U S but um, yeah we can see clients for weight restoration but we also can see clients who are um, bulimic or binge purging or again anywhere in between that just need um, medical stabilization or um, or just nutrition um, rehabilitation so medical and nutrition are the key factors that we do here and so dietitians at the Emily program are looked up very at very highly just because it is um, a very major part of their treatment that's so good though that you are part of their treatment I mean I, I could see eight, eight patients but it, as an inpatient you know residential person living yeah. here that would take up your whole week for sure it, it does. I mean, in between, I mean, of course we see like we have like scheduled nutrition counseling sessions, but I definitely don't just talk to a client once a week. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, because I live here. I mean, I'm in their home when I'm here at work. Um, sure. like right now I'm hiding away in my office. <laughs> so <laughs> Don't come to my door, but if my door is open, I mean, they know my, my policy is like when my door is open, you can always come and check in if needed. And mm -hmm. whether that's after a meal or snack, if they're really escalated and need, um, need de-escalation from like a panic attack or um are having issues with body image or really just anything i mean sometimes our roles therapists and dietitians kind of overlap here of course sure. therapists don't create meal plans but definitely um dietitians do a lot of new like a lot of nutrition therapy mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of therapy and motivational interviewing and um and just a lot of counseling. I mean, I've even thought about, I'm like, hmm, what would that be like to get like either a counseling licenses, like another, another degree, but I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> no, though, I'm I believe good. like that, that, you know, in your, in your expertise area, that it would be a great thing to have, not necessarily that you have to go get a degree, but like have a dietetic um, counseling therapist, maybe certification or something that you could just get some of that, you know, education, but not have to go all in on what like a, a therapy would be because you do. I mean, you are, you're like, you are basically another type of therapist for them. It, it is. It's so interesting. I mean, clients will come in and, and what I look, I used to, I remember nutrition counseling class in school when we got to practice like with, um, a student or with someone who wanted like education. I remember like writing out like every question verbatim, like what I was going to say. And now I just look at nutrition counseling sessions as like conversations mm -hmm. with clients, like um, going over obviously like their personal goals, what they've deemed as successes, what they've deemed as like really big challenges um, that week, uh, like any specific barriers that they see to interrupting symptom use, whether it be restriction, binge purge, um, as you can see, hence why we use the term symptom use, because it can cover a lot of bases. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I really enjoy that therapeutic approach. It's, it's so interesting. And that's what we actually do with meals and snacks here. So um, on any given day, I might support like one or two meals or snacks with clients. And it really is like kind of having a therapeutic counseling session in the moment with them so we do a lot of like distractive talk because at residential it's like we just need to get the food in mm -hmm. like we need to get the food in and then see like how can we cope with that um but a lot of times then it is like hey i see you're having a challenging time what can i do to support you or i'm noticing you're cutting your chicken up into 20 million pieces <laughs> how can we take bigger bites or mm -hmm. uh just anything and i mean I've learned many tricks <laughs> from clients of what they, what they will do, their eating disorder, how it will show up. I mean, it's not uncommon for clients to uh, like hide things in napkins or burn toast so they can scrape it off <laughs> to oh. just try and like, yeah, it's, there's, I mean, huh. they can get very innovative. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, I think my personality, I, I'm definitely firm with clients, but I definitely use a, 
a humor approach when appropriate. I'm like, well, I definitely saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and this job, I mean, I, again, I've always been a people pleaser, but this job has definitely taught me. And I remember a, a quote from one of my preceptors is you are their provider. You're not their friend. So, I mean, of course, as much as we want our clients to quote unquote, like us and have good, a good relationship, that can be one thing, but I, I can't be their friend and then that inhibit their care. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause as much as I care about all my clients, I definitely do have a hard job because I'm the one dealing with food and their meal plans. Sure. <laughs> so if they needed meal plan increase, they may fight and they may cry and I have to hold that space for them and still say, I know it's tough and we still need to increase your meal plan. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. How long are they there as, as um, residents? Um, so it depends. So it depends a lot on, um, on insurance coverage or if they need weight restoration, how long they need to be here. Um, an average length of stay is 30 days um, or four to six weeks, give or take. Um, but say if someone has like, 20 pounds to that we estimate that they have to weight restore. Um, we estimate that uh, they like two to three pounds per week is our goal for weight restoration if that is needed. So, I mean, if they have 20 pounds to weight restore, a little math in my head here. So 20 pounds, five to three, that can be anywhere from like six and a half to 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it all de- depends too on, I mean, insurance coverage. Like we can request like, nope, this client needs to be here for this reason because X, Y, Z. But I mean, unfortunately, um, and this is just something that, I mean, needs to be lobbied about more insurance coverage, but insurance sometimes cuts out and that's really unfortunate. Because then they don't, then they leave and most of them can't they leave there for sure. Right. And it, it, it is very expensive without insurance coverage. Um, and so if they get discharged from here, the next step if they accept the recommendations would be, we call IDP. So it's intensive day program. Um, so it'd be like an eight hour day meal snacks, but then they get to go home. Um, and then outside of that, then they would be there for six, like three months ish on average. And then after that is an IOP, which is just like a three or four hours a day, they'd be in there for a couple weeks. And then the next lower step outpatient. So I like the transition though. I think that's great that they, yeah. they're supported completely throughout the whole journey if they need to be. Yeah, it's, it is really helpful. And of course, like we have clients um, that like will decline for numerous reasons, whether it be needing to get back to work, needing to do other, other things. What I've learned a lot here is that um, a lot of people suffer with um, like trauma. So it is not uncommon. Almost nine out of 10, our clients will suffer from um, like either PTSD or any traumatic event, like, um, sexual, emotional abuse. Um, and a lot of times clients need to do additional therapy in that, in that realm, mm-hmm. um, before they get continued care. Cause a lot of like, I've learned the terms like what's primary and what's second or secondary, excuse me. Um, what's secondary. And like a lot of times, like someone's anxiety, depression, or mood disorder might be a more primary um, diagnosis and they really need to um, do like a DBT program or some sort of um, like day program for mood before they do additional work on their eating disorder. Um, so it can be, it can be really tough um, and yeah. can be really sad when like, cause as a dietitian, sometimes I feel like my hands are tied. I can only do so much. Whereas a lot, I really wish I could just, Give all my clients, give all my clients nice hugs and love because that's, I mean, honestly, a lot of them have maybe missed in their lifetime. Sure. Um, and a lot of people think that eating disorders are just a manifestation of like, I want to be skinny or I want this. But a lot of times it's about control. So if they've been sexually abused, I need to control my body. So I do not want to look how I did. So whether they start restricting to not look feminine or I've had clients who've been abused and then started binging because they're like, I don't want to look desirable. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a really interesting like facet too. And so I've learned a lot about trauma and a lot about even how weight stigma can be a trauma. Um, but I really wish as dietitians we had more like mental health education and background. Cause I know in school it was only like 
eating disorders was in medical nutrition therapy, like the and others, <laughs> other okay. day, like we only get like a day of. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think that's, and I think like when you said earlier, how important it was for you to like get into any educational opportunity that you possibly could to get yeah. more exposure to it because we just don't get enough. And you, I mean, you are learning new things every day because everybody is so unique oh in that space. Yes. Like, there's no one person that's the same as the next. So unique. And, and I mean, even though I work in like in specifically eating disorders, it is very, it's not uncommon for me to get a client who also has type two diabetes. Okay. How do we work with that and still have them exposed to um, challenge foods like a pop tart? Like how can we fit that in their meal plan? Um, or how, like if someone has a, we, we have a lot of people with gastroparesis, obviously There's, mm -hmm. their um, GI tract is just low, slow, slow. Okay. How do we educate them on, you know, yes, I know you love eating raw fruits and vegetables, but those are really, really fiber rich. Yeah. And that is going to just make your meal plan even harder. Um, so learning how to like what we call condensing tallies or exchanges. So we use for meal plans, we use um, a very similar approach to the diabetes exchange system, um, at least in residential. In outpatient, I did have some clients that I did intuitive eating with um, just because they were at that space. But the reason we don't do intuitive eating at residential is because they don't, most of the time don't have hunger cues. <laughs> so oh, if they're never yeah. hungry, I'm not going to tell them to listen to their hunger. <laughs> right. And that actually, it's really interesting to educate clients on that too, because all the time, I mean, I feel like I say this over and over again to clients because they're like, well, I'm not hungry, so I shouldn't be eating. And I'm like, you're right. Like in diet culture and in uh, society, we hear like, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. But if you're, if your body is not telling you <laughs> that it is, it needs nourishment, we, we can't listen to it right now. So unfortunately you might feel very uncomfortable for a while. Um, and that's really hard. Cause I mean, you think like with someone with an eating disorder, fullness is the biggest, biggest fear, um, possible. Hmm. Interesting. So you mentioned mm -hmm. also earlier that, um, the Emily program, and I know you love yoga, which maybe you can talk about <laughs> yes. that too. Cause you're, yeah. you're, are you a certified yoga instructor? I am. So I actually got certified in yoga when I was still living in Des Moines. Um, so in oh, 2014, I got certified um, and was actually teaching for about a year. Um, and then when I gave birth to my son in 2015, I took a little break um, and then started back teaching. Um, so I was certified in like power vinyasa yoga. So very similar. It's power life yoga for those of you in Des Moines. But um it's similar to like core power, which is all over the nation. Mm -hmm. um, so it's considered like vinyasa, power yoga, so breath to movement. So I got into it initially for, of course, the physical component um, for the exercise because I was a dancer growing up. I really wanted just an activity that I could do, continue to do as an adult. And I fell in love. Um, but then through my training, I learned, wow, like yoga is much more much more than movement. Like actually it's not about the movement at all. Um, it's more about that mind body connection. Um, and in my training, uh, a teacher came and spoke about how she does um, trauma informed yoga um, with clients in maybe prisons or eating disorder um, recovery or at WIC um, at numerous locations. And that was the first time I had actually clicked like, Oh, like I could use yoga as like a body image, like combine those two loves. Um, and then, um, actually a yoga instructor and dietitian had come and spoke at, uh, at the eating disorder coalition of Iowa, um, like CEU event. And I became connected with her. Um, I started doing a lot of body image and yoga trainings. Um, I did one through the Emily program actually before I was employed here. And then I actually did one through, it's called eat, breathe, thrive, um, and I did that one actually in Omaha. Um, the trainings happen all over the country, um, but really just getting more knowledge on how do, how can yoga be incorporated in eating disorder recovery? How can it help heal your relationship with food? Um, and Emily program, we actually do offer yoga for our residential clients. We offer it six times a week. So they get it every day except one. Um, and of course, they have to be medically appropriate for it. So we do have some clients who are on seated yoga or um, on, I mean, they have different restrictions, right? But um, really, 
anyone, no matter where you're at, you can experience yoga. Um, and as I've continued to do my own training and just learning about it, um, it's it's been marvelous and amazing and just language that you use. Um, it's made me more mindful of even language that I use in my own sessions with clients. Um, and uh, I actually, what's actually really cool is that even though I couldn't be a yoga instructor and a dietitian here, um, at the residential site, I sometimes will cover for our yoga instructor when she's out on vacation just because oh, nice. I have that training. So I actually get to lead yoga tomorrow. So oh, that'll be really fun. That's so great um, that you get to tie that in with your job. Yeah, because I remember chatting with you before I moved, actually. I remember I told you, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I, like, I was thinking about actually doing yoga mm-hmm. more full time. Like, that was, I was like questioning before I got the Emily program, um, questioning like what I wanted to do with <laughs> my life. Um, but obviously, like, the, I mean, I still, I love my job as a dietitian. And um, it's kind of crazy to say at 28 years old, I have my dream job. So, um, I think that's I no, love it. that's crazy. It's, you worked hard for it. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think so too. Um, and yeah, I, I just reflect a, a lot on, on my journey and how it's all kind of tied in. Cause yeah, I mean, again, everything just worked out, um, perfectly like at different stages. Like I said, um, unfortunately I don't get to teach yoga up here just because I mean, scheduling and daycare and my husband's schedule. Um, so I don't get to teach outside of the Emily program on those rare occasions, but I really, I really do enjoy just incorporating it in my own life and even just incorporating like, you know, I used to move to change my body, but now like I can practice yoga and enjoy like how it feels um, and the benefits that that gives me over like I have to push myself this hard and again, more just learning and exactly like practicing what I preach with clients here. You definitely are. And then I always, I do have to ask, I know that you do, are you you're still blogging i saw a blog yes. that i loved it was about joy <laughs> thank you yeah i know it, it definitely reminded me of you because i know you that's your that's your thing sparking joy um, yes yeah i i like i said i love writing and i mean when i was younger i wanted to be a writer and then when i realized oh it's pretty hard to sustain a living that way i'm like okay like let's be more realistic um so i get, I mean, just blogging on my own. It's low pressure. I don't have any deadlines. I can do it when I want. Um, ideally I'd like to write like at least and get, um, a post out once or twice a month. But I mean, sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. And I try to do a mixture of try to do a mixture of obviously dietitian related things. But I mean, you know, my, (laughs) the, um, title of my blog, I thought it was pretty funny at the time was because I always thought, trust me, I'm an RD. Like, that's a really catchy phrase. But then I'm like, but I'm more than just an RD. So then I incorporated the, trust me, I'm a mom, yogi, RD. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've got to all those themes. Um, and I get a lot of really positive feedback from people who read it. And even people that I'm, I never expected, like coworkers here, um, friends who really enjoy it. And yeah, I don't do it for like the views or the reads or whatever. I just do it because it's, it's a way for me to share writing, which I always was actually very nervous about. Again, I'm very, I'm my biggest self-critic. So putting something out there, I'm like, oh gosh, what are people going to think? And so then getting all this positive feedback, it's so reinforcing. I'm like, okay, like I, I can write. And I guess looking now too, like even if I didn't get positive feedback from it, like I love it. So I can still do it no matter what. <laughs> Well, and that's, that's what I think is so great. I think of the place that you're at in your life, you're doing everything that (laughs) really speaks Abby and you just, you just are enjoying it and you just keep learning. And that's what I feel like is the best message from your podcast today is because, you know, as dietitians, we all need to embrace every learning experience because it could lead us exactly where we need to be. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you're doing it, girl. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Oh, that means so much. <laughs> I know it's, it's it's really cool. Like I sometimes have to like pinch myself, like especially if it's like a really hard day at work. Um, I have to pinch myself and be like, "But dude, I'm doing what I want to do." And I think even though the most stressful days um, are very stressful, um, I ju- I just still really I I feel like I get a lot out of this work, um, and I know I'm making a difference. Um, and and even for clients who maybe they don't see recovery right away. Maybe they end up back here because that's actually common as well. Like we have clients who come to residential or, or in treatment 
multiple times. And sometimes I get really down. I know that it's not me that I'm doing anything wrong, but it's, it's just, there is no specific cure or proven therapy yet for eating disorders. So they do a mixture of everything, right? They do nutrition therapy, different types of therapies like CBT, DBT, which I've learned all about here. I didn't know the difference before I started. <laughs> um, but I mean, we try a mixture of things and hope it works. Um, so I keep trying to remind myself that I'm doing the best that I can with what I know how to do now. Um, and yeah, it, it'll continue to keep evolving, but it is very amazing to see um, previous clients. Like when I go do the NIDA walks of the Eating Disorder Association, uh, they do walks all around the U.S. Um, and they do it at the Mall of America here in Minnesota mm-hmm. um, or in Minneapolis. And I saw many previous clients, whether that was when I worked outpatient or whether it's here. Uh, and it is like it is the best compliment ever when someone comes up, gives you a hug and is like, I'm doing so great. Like because of you, mm-hmm. like, I mean, things go on. It's like, you know, that you're. If I can help one person, right? It's, you know, yeah. that you're doing something right. Oh, that's so great. Abby. So great. Yeah. Well, I hope, I hope that you continue to keep making a difference and enjoying your job. Like that's the biggest thing because there's so many people that stay in a job for it being a job and being a paycheck and right. don't be scared to uproot your life and go do what you what you dream to do right <laughs> yeah exactly I know I look at it I'm like it's so crazy because when we moved up here my husband actually didn't have a job until a week before I started like oh my he, gosh he, like he he was in the works like everything was in the works but he did not actually know if he'd have a, a job <laughs> until so nerve-wracking and what was crazy is we lived we lived an hour south of the Twin Cities when I first started because he actually was able to transfer to Rochester. So if everyone knows, that's south. That's very yeah, southern Minnesota. So he drove an hour and I drove an hour every day. Oh, my. I remember you were driving quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was awful. So then luckily when a store opened up in the cities, like a new store, he was able to transition and... um he opened that store up in the, in the city. So very thankful that, you know, we're <laughs> drive. It's more like 20 minutes. So I can, oh, that's that. way more tolerable. <laughs> oh, it's okay. it is, let me tell you. Well, I have some, I have some hard questions for you now. <laughs> okay. Ready. You're ready. So tell me, share with me some of the foods that you enjoy. Uh, I love a lot of food. So I used to actually be a very, very picky eater growing up. Um, and actually moving up, it's so funny, actually moving up here and being a dietitian uh, opened my eyes to all the new foods that I actually do like. Um, <laughs> but I love anything with good flavors. But I mean, of course, like pizza, like those are always going to be on my top mac and cheese, right? But moving up here, like I've learned I love Thai food and I love falafel love it mm-hmm. like greek lebanese mm-hmm. oh my gosh with some tzatziki sauce we go on like meal outings with clients and it's my absolute favorite oh that's fun that's really cool so, anything with good yeah anything with good flavor so yeah, i've learned i never had had thai before like of course like mexican italian but i don't feel like there's a lot of as much different cultures as there are like there's a lot of like different um south american and mexican cultures um in in Iowa but I feel like up here we have more um yeah like Thai Asian a lot of um Bosnian a lot of uh uh halal foods um so it's it's really interesting to see the, just the different cultures um that's up fine. here and yeah so I would say like I literally crave falafel now and I think it's so funny <laughs> I don't know if I have anyone ever told me that they crave falafel but I know it's so weird because I love meat I'm not vegetarian so I mean falafel is yeah. good though it is delicious it is it is uh, do you have some favorite beverages that you enjoy oh oh my gosh so I actually also <laughs> I feel like I've just expanded my horizon being a dietitian so <laughs> I really love I mean, a good ginger ale, right? Like that's always the best. Um, but I actually have recently really started enjoying kombucha, um, like certain like certain brands. Um, and doing brand it obviously. Brand? I like the Kavita, like Master Brew, those like okay. the peach pineapple. 
peach pineapples. Ooh, the best. I'll have um, to try that one. I haven't tried that one. Oh my gosh. It's so good. <laughs> it's okay. so good. But I mean, I also am careful just because I mean, I only do like half a bottle at a time and I don't drink it every day just because I mean, that is a ton of probiotics at one time. It um, is. Just being careful. So, um, but yeah, I really, and I really love the buy. I don't know if it's buy or buy five, but the buy coconut drink. So anything mm. that's just really refreshing, I think is what I tend to go for. Good choices. Um, <laughs> you have a favorite scent or a smell? I do. So that one's actually the easiest, I feel like, for me. So I love I love anything like apple or apple cinnamon. So those are, I only buy candles with apple or apple cinnamon. But I also am just, I'm a sucker for lavender, mm. um, like essential oils or frankincense, actually. I really, really like frankincense. And I don't know why. I was but using my Frankincense smells good. I was using it because my eyes were itchy, and I heard that helps with itchy eyes when you're in allergy oh, season. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so you no, put, it I, under, put it underneath your eyes, oh, and it helps them from being itchy. And it does smell good. Nice. I know it has a ton of great benefits, but I learned. So we use a lot of essential oils here um, at work, and I had my diffuser. So I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll just diffuse. But I've actually learned that scents are one of the like biggest triggers for like a traumatic response. So some people are very sensitive, so I've, I'm careful. But I actually was diffusing frankincense one day, and then one of our nurses came and asked me if I wouldn't because apparently she's allergic to it, and she broke out into an entire body rash. Oh. Uh, because apparently it's in the same family as, she shared this with me, it's in the same family as poison ivy. Seriously? So, oh yeah, my God. I didn't know that either. So, and I mean... So she's like, yeah, so I'm, I'm really sensitive. She's like, I knew someone had diffused it. So she was just going around like, hey, did you do it? And, yep, it was me. So I felt oh terrible. My God. You would have never um, known, though. There's the way you would have known that. <laughs> of course, I always feel bad when I had no, it wasn't like I did it yeah. intentionally. Yeah, no. Oh, my gosh. Um, do you have a favorite color or colors? Uh, always and forever, my favorite color has been orange, <laughs> um, but I'm really gravitating more towards purple now. Hmm. So I'd say orange and purple. Those, but they both go together really well too. They they do. Yeah, I don't know what it is about purple. Yeah, purple, lavender, any any of those colors are just beautiful. But yeah, orange has always been like in my family. Um, all of my cousins and I, like when we on Easter, we would always, when we did Easter egg hunts, we would all each have our own color. So I'd always get the orange eggs. My cousins would always get green or blue. So we each, so everyone had the same amount of eggs. So if you ever have, yeah, nieces or nephews or any little kids that you're listening, that's an easy way to not have them fight over it. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Then it sticks forever, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, what brings you joy in life? Oh gosh, a lot. So obviously my, I call him my little man, uh, my <laughs> so son, he's, now three and a, he's three and a half. <laughs> so Aww. he's getting so big. He's so ornery. But again, he like, when I pick him up from, from daycare or when I come home, he's definitely a mama's boy. Cause mm-hmm. even if dad's with him, if he sees me, he just yells mom and comes and runs and he's just so happy. Um, but obviously my family. So Eli, my son, my husband brings me a lot of joy. Um, My clients, even though they may be frustrating, they bring me a lot of joy as well. Um, But of of course, like I've learned self-care is so important. So finding new hobbies. So obviously reading, um, reading, writing. Um, I've actually learned that I am a little creative and I didn't know that. I always grew up thinking I wasn't creative because I wasn't, I couldn't draw. Um, but I've learned like doing like different kinds of paintings or, um, different things. I've shared them on social media before, but you are getting creative. I like it. It's fun. Oh my gosh. I've been making that poor art. Um, so like, yeah, putting paint on canvases and letting it just drip and looks like a geode when you're done. It's so cool. And so easy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. I love it. I love following. You are a very fun person. I will definitely put your Instagram on um, on my, on the show notes page. And I really appreciate you sharing so much about your job. I appreciate you reaching out to me. Um, And yeah, like I said, I uh, have connected actually with quite a few. I like every time you share someone's story or when you share your dietitian crush or just anything. I'm, I, I connect with a lot of people just from you connecting, like and oh, sharing. Their stuff. Um, 
So yeah, I, I appreciate it. So hopefully I'll get connect with more people after this. Yes. We'll be one big happy family. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Abby. And we will be well to be continued. We'll check back to in. To be with continued. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, Anne. It was truly great to catch up with Abby. And I'm so happy she's working in an area of dietetics she is extremely passionate about. All parts of our careers are stepping stones to help us find that exact place we are meant to be. And just listening to her talk about her job, you can tell how happy she is. Sometimes we just have to take that leap. My website, AnnaElizabethArty.com, is where you can read my latest Embrace the Hell Yeah blog post, as well as all my previous podcasts, show notes, and links to things we talked about during all my conversations with these great nutrition experts. My book is also available to purchase on my website, and there is now 15 CEUs approved for self-study through the CDR, which you can also purchase on the website. I hope we can connect more on social media by finding me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest at Anne Elizabeth Hardy. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.